you ever feel like you've missed out? Like your opportunity has passed? As if the wave to experience a full life has rolled out to sea, knowing it's gone for good. Missing one wave doesn't mean you've missed the rest. A new wave is coming. God is moving. Will you trust the wave maker? doing good to see you I've been gone uh, I was gone last week and I uh, want to report that things went well there in Bartlesville got to encourage the church and also some leadership training in the afternoon also in the evening they had a rally point and we talked through uh, what God is doing I was able to share what God's doing here at Bethel and then also encourage them to continue forward one of the things God's opened the doors for us to do is to encourage churches not only in our community around the state but also around the world and so thank you for giving me the opportunity to to go this last weekend and uh, they say hi and we also am, am proud of them and also proud of what you guys are doing here. Um, I want to give you an update on Bethel Community Church Orlando. They today, uh, just like a few minutes ago, they announced the um, name of Bethel Community Church so that they're going to be launching there February 9th. So the church was gathered together, the pastors got up and spoke, and today they actually revealed that they're going to be uh, Bethel Community Church Orlando. We're excited about that. Two weeks from now, the 9th of February, we're going to be going there, Christy and I, and we're going to encourage them and, and help them launch into a new territory. That's also something that you guys are heavily a part of, and we appreciate your generosity, also your prayers. So continue to pray for Bethel Community Church Orlando. There's a few people that are ready to go in their bags, and they're going to be moving to Orlando. Um, anybody else? Any other takers? Um, okay, yes. Okay, one. Thank you. Okay. I'll get with you afterwards. Joel, sorry, man. I guess you're staying here. I don't know. <laughs> so, but uh, it's, uh, it's exciting to be a part of a church that loves our community, but also is interested in expanding and growing. And so uh, Bethel Community Church Orlando is coming. Also, another thing we're launching this month uh, is our mission opportunity or mission ops. Uh, we support missionary families around the world in different places, and uh, Miss Diane's going to come to the stage, and she's going to come and share with us um, what God has is allowing us to be a part of, and every single month, we're going to have a mission minute where we're going to describe and share what God's doing for us. I also heard maybe a little birdie told me it was your birthday today. Is that right, Miss Diane? Uh, no, it was a little bird. I don't know. It was a bird. So is it your birthday today? All right, we got to sing happy birthday. I'm terrible. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Diane. Happy birthday to you. Okay, we're done. All right. So round of applause for Miss Diane. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, Ms. Diane is going to be heading up our mission team, and there's an opportunity for other people to get involved, and she'll tell you about that. And I'm really excited to be able to do that. I have to just tell you, the lights are so bad up here that they really are hurting my eyes. Um, but I'm really excited to be part of that. We are looking for some new members, so you, if, you're, if God has laid it on your heart to be part of this mission team, um, please respond, and, and we're looking for about four people that can join me. Uh, part of what we will be doing, we'll be setting up some procedures of how we will be operating as a, as a team, and um, then we will be meeting monthly to be able to pray over our missionaries and then uh, get ready to present this uh, minute, and then we're going to have a place out in the lobby where we will be able to um, put up some information about our missionaries. Um, it is so important 
uh, for us as a church to be praying for our missionaries. So uh, we are planning on having a card each month that would have missionary focus. Um, so we will be getting those ready for you. Our January missionaries, because we still have a few days left of that, are Chris and Stephanie Ballinger. They're in Mongolia, and you know that we are planning a missionary trip to that, so I hope some of you will be able to go for that. And then Chad and Jennifer Baymar, they were here um, not too long ago, and they have just returned to Costa Rica. Um, so keep them in your prayers. And then we have a February focus, and Pastor's going to help me with the Russian name. Vladimir. Vladimir. I told the first service, I said, I don't do Russian. I do missions, but no Russian. But anyway, um, I did send him out an email. He's in Siberia with his wife um, and their children. And he did send back um, a request for prayer. Their church is under major construction, and they've had to move their um, church services to a rental building right now. So he asked that we would be praying that the construction would all go smoothly, that there would be no delays and no added expenses, of course. And then also um, he had a praise report because he said their church is really being energized during this process. A lot of people are donating their time and energy, and he's able to um, do some leadership training so that when they do get back in their church, they'll have um, some leaders to help them with some of their um, things that God's called them to do also. And then um, Don and Kathy Mango, they are missionaries providing missionary care. Um, they also have a, um, a monthly letter that we will be putting out there. But right now, they are planning three different trips um, to um, be able to help missionaries that are out on the field that just need the additional encouragement and support and training. So they have trips planned for uh, Kenya in March, Tanzania in April, and South Africa in May. Uh, they will also be occurring, of course, different um, additional expenses uh, for these trips. So if God lays it on your heart to make an extra donation in your generosity, please do that. Uh, our missionaries are so important to us, as, as um, Pastor has been saying. Um, and you will be blessed when you, I mean, we're blessed. <laughs> we are blessed so much. Um, God expects us to be a blessing to others also. So this is your opportunity to just really bless others. Thank you. Round of applause for Diane. Awesome. <laughs> um, this last year, 2019, we were able to give uh, $70,000 to world missions and also local missions. Uh, we support a few organizations. Yeah. Awesome. That's through your generosity, through your giving. And so Bethel, the way we function is that we take a portion of our giving uh, that we send out of, of Bethel so we can encourage others. And then also we have designated missions giving. So if you are interested, like Diane said, if you would like to give a little extra to the Mingos or uh, to the Lukianovs there in Siberia, then uh, we'd like to forward it over to them and help them through this, this process. But missions is a, a big part of what God has done here at Bethel. Christy and I experienced uh, your generosity and also the generosity of other churches while we were missionaries um, out of the country. And and it's, it's a very, very important thing. We're really proud to partner with these families. And so every month we'll meet some other families and have a way for us to pray and connect with them. Uh, they could really use your encouragement. I don't think we realize how much pressure there is when you leave the country, uh, the spiritual pressure, the, uh, the, the, the pressure from the government on uh, missionary families, foreigners that are there. And so keep, keep praying for our missionaries. That's a very valuable thing. Well, today we're in week four of the WAVE. And uh, we started this series, of course, the first Sunday uh, Pastor Reuben started uh, because I was sick, 
And we started this series, The Wave, on how do we actually jump in to what God is doing. If, if you've been a believer for any amount of time, or maybe this is your first time in a church, we sometimes feel like we've missed the boat, or maybe we've, we've missed our chance. We've missed an opportunity. But the way God works, God is actually the wave maker, and what God does is he actually sends waves over and over again for us to take advantage of. And sometimes we sit there on the beach, and we see it coming, and we know God is asking us to do something, and we just let it go on by. Well, this wave series, what we're trying to do is we're trying to see what God's doing, not only in our church, but around the world, and also how can we get involved? How can we jump on board with what God is doing? Today, we're going to talk about money, okay? Now, you're like, crud, this is not the service I should have come to, right? Okay, don't raise your hand, okay? (laughs) But we're going to talk about money. Jesus actually talked about finances more than any other topic, and we're going to dig into that this morning in Luke chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, and then we also, if you have your Bible app, you can open up the Bible app to our live event and follow along there. Uh, Something I tell my son all the time, Max, is that anything worth doing is hard. Anything worth doing costs something. Um, One of the things that we're doing at our house is we are training our kids little by little to get on board, to get involved with the household chores, okay? Some of you are newly married, and you're having kids so you can have people to help you around the house, right? All right? Some of you that are empty nesters are like, stink, now i got to take the trash out again. All right? Anybody like that? Okay. Anybody love taking the trash out? Just love it? It's like your favorite thing? Oh, I got one back there, one taker. You know the trash is like the one thing that I have done my whole life, and I'm grooming my son. He's eight years old. Little by little, oh, Max, the trash is yours. And he's like, why, Dad? I don't like that. It's too hard. Max, everything we're doing is, is cost something. It's Anything we're doing is hard. And so little by little, training him so that I don't have to think about it, at least for the next 12 years, <laughs> okay? And then once he leaves home, I'll have to take it back on. But the trash, you know, this is like something that we have to train our family to get involved with the household chores. And when everyone pulls together, when everyone gets on board, the household chores are much better. I was talking to uh, Deidre Barnes, and we were talking about yard work. And right now, we don't have to do any yard work because all the grass is dead. Uh, but when, when, when we mow our yard at the house, it takes a long time. And last year, Christy's like, hey, I'm going to start helping you out so that we can actually spend time together. That's not what you do when you're doing yard work. But she's jumped on board, and it's cut my time in half. It's awesome. So she has ulterior motives because we want to spend some time together. So she's going to come out and spend time mowing. And then we have extra time to spend time together. Well, I think we come to church and we have this idea at church that we're going to come in and we're going to consume and then we're going to leave. But really what we want is for everyone, everyone to get on board. If I told us, if I told you that we were going to go to the beach and we were going to go and have a good time at the beach, but I didn't prepare you for what was coming you would miss the whole point. And maybe all you'd catch is a sunburn because I didn't prepare you. So what I want to do is, as your pastors, I want to prepare us for this wave that's coming in 2020 so that we can all get on board and all participate together, okay? So I just want to have a conversation with you. Uh, if you were sitting at home with me and if you were in my living room, this is the kind of conversation I would have because to catch the wave that God is sending our way, we're going to have to actually be generous. Now, if you went to the beach, anybody, any beach goers here? Do you guys like going to the beach? All right, now we're as far as from the beach as we can get, right? So if we go to the beach, does anybody like to go get a book and actually sit in a chair and read on the beach? Anybody like that? Okay, man, that's so much fun. If you've never done that, I, I promise you, you've got to go do that, okay? So sit on the beach, read a book. It's fun. But why do you go to the beach? To play in the water. That's right. I mean, if you go and you only sit on the beach and you never, ever actually get in the water, you're missing 
a really big part of what it means to be a beach goer, okay? Now, we're, like I said, Christy and I, I don't know what we did. We moved as far away from the beach as we could get to come to Yukon, Oklahoma to spend time with you guys. We love it, but we do miss the beach. And so when we go, there are steps in our process. There's preparation that we have to do to get ourselves ready to go to the beach. There's people that go to the beach and they just catch the sun. There's other people that play in the sand. There's people that play in the water and mess around. But then there's those extra crazy people that go out to the waves and catch the big waves, okay? Now, I have been to several different kinds of beaches with different kinds of waves. Uh, growing up in Costa Rica, the waves could get crazy, but they really never got, you know, 20 foot tall and were curling over like that. They never really did that. But have you guys seen those guys that actually go out and catch those big waves? Uh, a little insane. I mean, a little little crazy. And when they get out there and that thing curls over top of them, and you're like, they're dead. And then they shoot out the side. Isn't that an amazing thing that you're like, man, why would they do that? What is the reason that they'll go out and actually catch that wave? There's a reason, and it's because it's probably the greatest thrill that they've ever experienced to actually catch a wave and use it for their benefit. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to realize that catching a wave is scary. Catching a wave could be dangerous. Catching a wave will be wild, but catching a wave is the most exhilarating thing we can do. If I were to tell you that we're going to the beach and didn't prepare you, it would be dishonoring to the move of God and that what he wants for us. You know, today I could spend time speaking about my experiences with generosity. I could spend time speaking about personal examples of how God has shown up over and over again. I could speak about the benefits of why, but I really just want to have a conversation with you this morning about the vision God has given us for Bethel and how all of us can get involved. Jesus spoke more about money when he was on earth than he did any other topic. Jesus spoke more about money than, than even heaven and hell. He spoke about more about money than he did about love, and God is love. He spoke more about money than faith and prayer combined. Now, he wasn't all about give, give, give. He was talking about the way you handle your finances are a direct reflection of your heart. And so this morning, what I want us to do is just have a heart conversation, a heart conversation. The bottom line is total involvement, total involvement. Because God hasn't called us all to come to Bethel Community Church, to be a part of Bethel Community Church, just to sit. He actually has called us all to engage and step up and step into the calling that God has given us. We get to experience the wave for ourselves. It's not just for super talented or elite Christians. It's not just for a few Jesus followers. The wave is for everyone. And everyone can step up and everyone can step in for total involvement. The truth is, here at Bethel, God has given us a vision that is far greater than one person can accomplish. It's far greater than 10 people can accomplish. It's going to take everyone to be completely involved. Now, how are we going to do it? I acknowledge that there's many of you here right now that are generous, that you give, and you give above and beyond. I also acknowledge that there's some people here that just tip. Kind of give God a tip every once in a while when they feel like it, when they remember uh, maybe if the service was good or maybe they feel something, they kind of, you guys got to give a tip, some of you. Some of you don't tip at all. You just come in and leave. And what I want to encourage you all to do is to take an opportunity at Bethel and actually step up into engagement, to be completely engaged with your service, with your time, with your treasure, because this is the best way for you to get, in, to, to get involved in what God's doing. The church only exists and will continue to exist through your generosity, through your engagement, through your radical involvement. And so Bethel Community Church does not exist by one or two people doing it all. It, it exists by everyone radically being involved in a generous way. Now, um, I've got a question. Does anybody here have 
uh, 20 bucks they could give me. 20 bucks. Oh, man, Kevin, man, right away, dude. Woo. 18 and some cake. Okay, thanks, Kevin. 20 bucks. Oh, awesome. All right, thanks for, thanks for that. I'm going to go to lunch later, okay? Appreciate that. Like, oh, man, there's a pastor asking for money. What in the world? I knew it. I knew it. Being a part of a church family is being totally engaged. Um, Kevin just gave me that money, and you're like, I cannot believe that, Ray. What are you doing? Well, you know what God wants? God wants you to be involved in your service. He wants you to be involved in your finances. He wants you to be in the church family completely and 100% engaged and involved. We're going to look at Luke chapter 16, and we're going to read through this passage, and then we're going to go and we're going to dig into each section of this passage, okay? Verse 10 says, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Verse 14, the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. They said to, to, to them, uh, he, then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your heart. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. So Jesus' point when he was talking is, is that we to truly believe that life is eternal. Jesus was trying to teach these people that were around him, even the Pharisees, that we won't invest just our time and our finances in things that just perish, things that just disappear. Instead, we'll pour our energy and our resources and our behaviors into actions that will resonate throughout eternity. We have an opportunity to not only invest in things that we can see right now, but we also have an opportunity to, to invest in things we cannot see. Martin Luther said this. He says there's three conversations that are necessary in life. The first conversation is a conversation of the heart. The second conversation is a conversation of the mind. And the third conversation is a conversation of the purse. We need to engage ourselves. When we engage the body of Jesus, when we engage the church, we're engaging the spirit, the heart, the mind, and the purse. We need to step into generosity this year. So let's dig into this passage, and let's actually read through it and see what God is teaching us. It says there, if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. Now, if you um, have been given something by, by just, just for, by inheritance or you've been given something by responsibilities or maybe bought something, and you're not faithful in those little bitty things, as bigger things come along, you'll be unfaithful in those too. I had my uh, daughter yesterday watch Hoarders. Have you guys ever seen that show? Um, I wanted to scare her because I go into her room right now and I'm like, girl, you've been given much and look, I can barely get to your bed. So it's not that bad, but it feels that bad. And I'm like, we're headed down this path. So I made her sit and watch a couple hours of Hoarders. And I'm telling you, no lie, last night she started cleaning our kitchen. She started throwing, putting stuff in drawers. I mean, I was like, oh, that was a miracle show. Well, it's this idea of being responsible or faithful in the little. And if you're not faithful in the little, you won't be faithful in the larger ones, the bigger responsibilities. So, so the question is, what do I have in my hand? What has God given me? If I'm faithful and if I'm honest with these things that God has given me, then I'll be faithful and honest when he gives me more. So here's my advice. No matter where you are on the spectrum of generosity, is I want to encourage you today, if you're not giving, if you're not generous, to start being generous today. Begin. Just, just take one step. 
if you already are generous and you're already starting, maybe you every once in a while give something or maybe you, you, you get involved here in the church, I want to encourage you to take one step further and actually do more. And then if you're already giving and you're continually giving and you have a habit of giving, I want to encourage you just to go all in, just to be radical and test radical giving. It is a ride like catching the wave that you will never, ever experience anywhere else. Verse 11, it says, if you are untrustworthy with worldly health, wealth, sorry, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? We many times think that wealth is reflected in our bank account, um, in our 401k. We, we think that wealth is reflected in the things that we have. But Jesus, when he's talking about true wealth, he's talking about things that really matter. He's talking about this true riches of heaven. You know what he's actually talking about? He's talking about people, people. People are true riches. One of the things that I ask myself all the time is, can I be trusted with people? Can I be trusted? Would, it, would God send people my way, and will I be trustworthy for them? I also ask about our church, Bethel Community Church. Can Bethel be trusted with people? Because God has his children, and he is looking for a place that will care and encourage and help them take one more step. And so I ask this question all the time. Can Bethel be trusted with people. These are the true riches of heaven. It is not money, it's people. Look at verse 12. If you're not faithful with others, other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? You can't be trusted with the things of other people. And so I took this 20 bucks from Kevin, <clears throat> and you guys are like, what in the world? Well, maybe you didn't see it, but before the service, I actually said, hey, Kevin, will you hold on to this until I ask for it? So this was my money, <laughs> okay? So before he gave it to me, it was actually mine. Now, he could have kept it, and he could have been like, I don't know what you're talking about, and maybe someone else would have stood up and given me money, but this was already mine, and I trusted him, and the reason I chose him is because I don't know about anybody else, but I knew I could trust him, okay, and I knew he would actually give it to me. He probably would give me more if I asked, but this was already my money, and he was just holding on to it, and so when I asked, he gave it to me because it wasn't his, when we look at our own finances, when we look at our, our, our riches, when we look at our bank account, we need to understand that it's really not ours. This was very clear to me a couple weeks ago when I was sick at home, couldn't leave the house, I was in bed, I had a high temperature, I was, I was sick for seven days. The first day I was like, I just need some rest. By the third day, I called the doctor and I was like, I, I need to get better, I gotta get out of here. And he goes, seven to 10 days, seven to 10 days. And then you know, seven days later, I'm like, this is a miserable experience. Even my health is not in my control. I don't control my health, nor do I control the things that I have, the things that I own. These are actually God's. And so if I, don't, if I can't be trusted with what's God's, how can I be trusted with the things that God would actually give me? If we believe that Scripture is true, we understand that our lives are fragile, that we are temporary, that we are a vapor. We really don't own anything. It's all someone else's. It's all God's. God actually calls this in Scripture stewardship. We are stewarding what God has entrusted us while we're here on earth. The one thing that he asks us to do is to be generous with what he has given us, to give back to him what's already his. Now, we've heard it before. You might have heard it before. I can actually do more with what's left over than what I can do with 100% when I'm generous to God. Verse 13, it says, no one can serve two masters. And here's really the, the, the clincher in the whole passage. No one can serve two masters. You will either hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. To Jesus, money 
operates as a rival God, a little g God, who challenges our allegiance. The truth is that the little g God of money invites us to worship and invites us to worship ourselves, our cravings, our desires, our comfort, and our pleasure. For many of us, the struggle to align ourselves with God's will is played out in the realm of our finances over and over again. It's where the real battle happens. This is where war begins because it is a war. Verse 14, the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. You know what a scoff is? Like, one more time. No, I'm not going to stop. Scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your heart. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. You know, it's funny to me when I was growing up, I, I, I read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the publicans and, and these guys. And I was like, oh, those guys, I, if I would have been there talking to Jesus, I wouldn't be like those guys. But the longer I live, every time I look in the mirror, guess who I see? I see a Pharisee. Because sometimes God shows me things in scriptures and I just scoff. I'm like, mm, nah, that's for someone else. That's not for me. The Pharisees were the only men in the New Testament at times over and over again that looked at Jesus and scoffed at him. When I look at my life, and maybe you look at your life, you read scripture and you say, no way. Why? Because it reflects my heart. Because my heart hold t- holds tightly to things that I need to open up and let loose. The main thing when it comes to our finances is that it reflects our heart. Where I invest my money, where I spend my money, how I invest my time reflects truly where my heart is and what God is trying to do with me. And so here's some facts at Bethel. We have an incredible group of generous people. I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of a church that sees needs and actually takes care of those needs. But we have a large group of people here that are not involved, not involved in serving or in finances. And so what I'm asking you to do is to move from company that's over for a visit and become family. Because once you become family, then we can get you to help with the trash. <laughs> once you become family, we can help get you to help with the dishes. And once you become family, we can help, you, can get us to, you can help us with this thing called Bethel Community Church as we serve our community. And so there is nothing that happens for free. I think there's a, a lot of times that people think about Bethel and we think, oh, they must have a rich uncle. We don't have a rich uncle. Sometimes they think, oh, you have an endowment. Oh, we don't have an endowment. We don't have an inheritance. What we do have is something far greater than that. And it's a people of God unified as a family. And so everyone coming together and pulling together, that's what makes the difference at Bethel Community Church. We have so many people that give of their time, people that give their talent, give of their treasure. But then there's a lot of people that are along for the ride. You know what happens when you're along for the ride? We got to pull a little harder. And what we want to encourage everyone to do is just get up with us and let's pull together because God has called us to do something far greater than we can accomplish on our own. We need your help. Luke 16, next verse, verse 16. It says, until John the Baptist, the law of Moses and the messages of the prophets were your guides. But now the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone is eager to get in. Why do you think that is? Why do you think Jesus chose to put this right here? It's because he was looking at the law, and the law is heavy. It's the bunch of do's. Like, you feel like the Christian life is do, 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 all this stuff. It's a bunch of do, do. That's what it is. But no, what this is saying is that now it's the kingdom of God. It's freedom, and freedom is inviting everyone in. And everyone wants freedom. Everyone wants to be free. The old was a heavy burden. The new is light. It says right there, verse 17. 
It doesn't mean that the law has lost its force. It's easier for heaven and earth to disappear than the smallest point of God's law to be overturned. The law was a burden. The gospel is freedom. Giving is a God thing. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Jesus was the first giver. And when we understand what Jesus did for us on the cross and he gave his life for us, it's really easy for me to look into my heart and say, you know what? Jesus was the first giver. It's automatic for me to be a giver. I've got to work it. It's kind of like a muscle. Um, he, he's made the world to function through giving. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, if you've heard that verse, it says that to bring your tithe, bring your offering to the storehouse. Why? So there could be food in my house. And so scripture in the Old Testament talks about giving, but you know what? The New Testament, it's a little heavier because Jesus says, give it all. And you're like, oh, I want the Old Testament stuff. I want to be, I want to be the tither. I don't want to do the give it all. But it's a hard issue. Many of us need to be prepared to give when God asks. It's amazing when you get generosity. All I'm asking everyone to do is to start somewhere. Start somewhere. Wherever your faith is, give to that measure. Luke 6.38 says this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, make room for more, running over and pour it into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, I don't want this to sound prosperity gospel or, you know, name it and claim it. That's not what this is. What this verse is specifically talking about, Jesus is saying that however your measurement is for giving is how God is going to take care of you. And so look at what the ESV says. That was the NLT. Look at the ESV says. It says, give, it'll be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. Very similar to the other one. But here's the key right here. It says, for the measure you use will be measured back to you. There's many of us in times of difficulty say, God, I need a blessing. God, I need you to step into my life. I need you to show up. And all God does is say, give me your measuring spoon. Are you using a tablespoon, using a cup, using a shovel, using a wheelbarrow, using a backhoe? What are you using? And however your faith is, is how God responds to your needs. And so all I'm asking us to do here at Bethel Community Church is to actually increase our giving spoon. Let's be honest. It takes practice. It takes faith. It takes generosity. I just want you to start somewhere. Start with what you have, exercise the faith that God has given you now, and as it grows, your faith will expand. The key is the Father's on your side. He understands what it means to give. He knows where you are, and what he's asking you to do is to trust him. I trusted Kevin with my 20 bucks, and as soon as I asked for it, he gave it back. And all God's asking you to do is to be trustworthy and to trust him. Isaiah 40, verse 28, says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Where's your heart? What Jesus is saying is, trust me. And if your trust is small, just exercise that little bit of trust. And as soon as God comes through, you can exercise the next level of trust. Wherever you are, here at Bethel Community Church, we're asking everyone to be totally involved. If you can't get involved at Bethel Community Church with your time and your talent and your treasure, what I want to do is I want you to find a place where you can get plugged in 
and totally involved. Because together, we're going to be able to catch this wave in 2020, and we're going to be able to make a difference. Can I pray for you this morning? God, this morning, we are so grateful for your generosity towards us. We were sinners, and yet you gave. We were far from you, and yet you came. We didn't show love, and and yet you poured out your love on us. God, we are grateful for your generosity with us, and we're grateful for when we cry out to you, you hear us. Now this morning, God, I'm asking that you will create in us a generous heart, a generous spirit, that when you ask and that you lay it on our heart, that we would jump in and do it. For the simple fact that everything we own is not ours, it's yours. Thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your love. Take this time of worship, God, and move our hearts towards generosity. Before we finish praying this morning, you can say, Pastor Ray, I need you to pray for me. I, I actually need Jesus. There's a longing in my heart to know him. He left heaven and he came to earth and he's asking you to come to him and to have a relationship with him. And you might say, Pastor Ray, I need Jesus. I actually, in my heart, feel a longing towards him. I need him to be generous with me. I would like him to give me eternal life. And you say, Pastor Ray, that's my prayer this morning. I need a relationship with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand up and I'll pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to pray for you. I see your hand back there. Anybody else say, Pastor Ray, I need Jesus. There's something in my life that, that I know I need him. Pray for me. God, this morning, we believe in Jesus. We believe that he came and he lived and died for us. He took our place. God, I pray that your spirit would draw and that your spirit would convince and that this morning there would be salvation. Scripture says that all we got to do is call out and you're there. I pray for this one that raised their hand that, God, they would experience the fullness of your salvation. They just cry out to you. Help us to come alongside and guide and point to Jesus. God, help our hearts to be sensitive to your leading. Help us to be generous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you all stand this morning? We're going to sing. Once you understand the goodness of God, it's hard to hold back. Uh, Jesus looked at us, and he reached out to us, and his goodness is overwhelming. Because he came and he found us. And, And when we sing about the goodness of God, we sing about his great love. We sing about us in a ditch, in a pit, and he came and actually found us and pulled us out. And so this morning, we're going to sing about the goodness of God because the only way I can give is because he first gave. And so let's sing together this morning the goodness of God. <laughs>